Hey there, welcome to the Favorite Church Podcast. We are a church for imperfect people who want to know God and make Him famous. In this episode, we'll be hearing from our senior pastor, James Aiden. Good evening. How you guys doing? Are you happy to be in church tonight? It's great to have everyone here in the building, and it's great to have you online. If you're joining with us, welcome. So nice uh, that you're with us tonight. Uh, you know, we are a, a, a day before, we're standing on the edge of our week long of prayer and fasting that we do as a church. We do this twice a year as a church, once at the beginning uh, for seven days and then in the middle of the year for five days. But uh, this is our presence week. We call it presence week because uh, for us, when we pray and fast, we want to encounter the presence of God. Uh, you know, and when you encounter the presence of God, you begin to pray. If you don't pray when you fast, unfortunately, fasting. You're, you're just doing a hunger strike or trying to lose some weight. And so prayer is so key with it. I really want to encourage you, um, plan your fast this week for those, hopefully the majority of you are joining with us. Uh, you know, we, we've talked a lot about this over the years in our church, that a biblical fast is fasting food. Uh, now, each one of us have medical conditions or needs or, or our own stuff. And so you've got to work out what you want to fast. A lot of times in recent years, in the last couple of decades, because it's only been the last couple of decades, people are talking about, well, I'm going to fast social media, and I'm going to fast my computer games. And those are cool, but that's not a, a biblical fast, right? Biblical fast is food. What, those are our distractions. And so it's good to fast those things because they distract you from spending time with God. But the thing about a biblical fast is, is that we're fasting the very thing that we need to nourish us and sustain us. And instead of eating, we're looking to him to nourish us and sustain us. And so that's why biblical fast is food. So I want to encourage you, take your time, plan it out. Uh, I'm doing a fast this week that will, will make me weaker in my body. So I'm trying to uh, make sure I plan my week out and, and have enough strength and to be able to do everything I need to do. But in light of our fast, this week and just what God's doing in our church. You know, I wanted to uh, start a new series today that we're going to be preaching for the next few weeks. Uh, and it's on the power of prayer. I love prayer. I think that prayer is essential to our lives as Christians. Uh, I would even go as far as to say that there's many unchurched, uh, non-Christian people that would also agree that prayer is essential. They may only do it randomly or sporadically, but a lot of people agree that prayer is essential, but so many times we don't know how to pray properly. If we haven't been taught how to pray, if we don't pray effectively, if we've learned how to pray from the wrong, from the wrong thing, essentially praying then becomes like us trying to cut through steak with a plastic knife. It sort of kind of makes a dent, but it's not as effective as it could be. So let's go to the Word of God. Let's see what Jesus says about prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, this is uh, one of the most famous portions of Scripture in the Bible. He says this in verse 5. It's on the screen. You can follow along. That when you pray, this is Jesus speaking in the middle of a big sermon. He says, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then 
is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The title of my message today is Our Father. Everyone say, Our Father. Uh, prayer is something that we need to let it be effective in our lives or else it's just a waste of time. And so many times we have this wrong idea of what prayer is. What, what really is prayer? Prayer is communicating an intentional message to God. This means whether it's in your heart, your mind, or with your mouth out loud, you, out loud, you are intentionally conveying a message to God. In Matthew chapter 6, where we find our text today, Jesus is in the middle of probably the most famous sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And it's an epic, epic sermon. You can go and check it out. He talks about so many different things. I mean, you want to talk about continuity of, of thought. He, he's just popping ideas all over the place. And finally, he gets to this point where he begins to teach us about prayer. And he gives us this thing which we have so affectionately labeled the Lord's Prayer. And when Jesus actually taught us how to pray, he wasn't teaching us a prayer for us to repeat word for word every single day like that's the only way we can pray. Now, there are many people who pray the Lord's Prayer every day. Uh, I'm actually one of those people. I pray the Lord's Prayer every morning when I wake up. I usually go off in tangents when I pray. I'll, I'll explain why a little bit later on. But every morning when I wake up, well, I don't wake up. My wife wakes up first. She is an early riser. Is there any, anyone here that's an early riser? Come on, put your hand up. We just want to acknowledge you, and we just we don't like you at all. We just want to, we love you with the love of Christ, but we just don't like you for getting up. I, I got a theory, right? I got a theory, I, and, and I'm married. I got a theory. Like when husbands either wake up early or, you know, we're out late playing basketball, we come home late, our wives, we are like, when we, we creep into the room, we're quiet, we take a shower in another part of the house, right? When our wives come home, they're like, clank, 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 are you awake? Well, I am now, right? So Kate gets up early in the morning, lights go on, clank, clank everywhere. And so I'll begin to pray, our Father, the Lord in heaven, and I begin to pray through the, the prayer. And, uh, but Jesus never designed it to be just this prayer that we, we, we traditionally just pray. I hate Christian traditions that don't have any meaning to us because they're just traditions. Just because you put the word Christian in front of it doesn't make it any better. It's just a, tra a tradition is pointless unless you have a conviction about what you're doing. And Jesus doesn't teach us how to pray a word-for-word -word prayer. He gives us an outline. He gives us a, a, a scope of how we should pray. The first thing that Jesus does as he teaches us is this, is that Jesus makes prayer personal. Jesus makes prayer personal. I love big corporate prayer meetings. I love it when we get together and we worship and we pray and Don gets up and prays and Paul gets up. Oh, you up. Lift your hands, sing it again. I love it. I love it when we pray. This Friday night, we're going to have a presence night. It's going to be online so you can tune in 8 p.m. 
I love big corporate prayer meetings, but our big corporate prayer meetings should be the result of a personal prayer life that we have with God at home. And Jesus sets the foundation firstly by saying this. He goes, listen, listen, stop being fools. Well, this is my my version of what Jesus said. He said, stop being fools and stop being over-spiritual because it means nothing. Have you ever been around someone that prays over-spiritually, right? It's like they're in a contest involving just themselves where they're trying to say as many names of God as they can in the first 30 seconds of the prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, mighty God, wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, Jehovah Jireh, and Jehovah Rapha, right? And it's like, whoa, whoa. All you did was just try and say all the names of God, and you've actually prayed nothing. And Jesus, luckily, tells people, don't do it. Don't pray like that. It's funny because I find that the most spiritual prayers, when they pray publicly, when they get home, they actually don't pray like that. Why? Because they're not putting on a show. And Jesus says, hey, don't. Don't be like those fools that are on the street yelling out, trying to be all spiritual. What does he say? He says, be intentional. Go home, shut your door. This week, I want to encourage you. Be intentional. Go home, shut your door. Pray. Create time this week that you can pray. So Jesus says this. He sets the foundation. He goes, okay, don't make it a show. Get alone. And then when you begin to pray alone, this is what I want you to say. I want you to say, our Father who is in heaven. If you're old school, our Father who art in heaven. How personal is prayer? Jesus tells us plainly, you're not praying to a statue. You're not praying to one of many gods. You're not praying to a dead saint. You're not praying to Mother Mary. You are praying to our Father, our Creator, mighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth that spoke the world into existence. You're not just praying to someone or something. You are praying to a father who loves you, who cares about you, who knew about you even before you were formed in your mother's room. And Jesus says this, if you're going to pray, start it off by acknowledging who you're praying to. Our father, dad, papa. This is personal. We're now not praying to a stranger. We're praying to our Father. And prayer connects us to God the Father. And by getting alone and having that connection, I tell you, Jesus got alone a lot. Jesus would, would all the time, if you read the, the Gospels, he would pull himself away. Luke 15 says this, but Jesus often, not a little, not sometimes, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Could I put it to you today that if Jesus needed to get alone and pray to his Father, you and me sure need to get alone and pray to our Father as well. And if you would just get away from a group and you would come before God, our Father. You would meet him in such a personal way. I love the group stuff. I love the group prayers. I love church together. But I tell you, there's something special when you get alone with God. You get to know him. My wife, I always talk about how, how I first met my wife. I do because it's, it was, you know, one of the most significant moments of my life. I walked in. I saw her. I, told, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I got in trouble because I described what I saw about her. 
And so today I'm just going to say she had a wonderful personality that loved Jesus. And, and the first few times, in fact, the first many times that I saw Kate, we were in a group setting. We were at church stuff. We were together, and I'm watching her, you know, and, and we're all doing group stuff, you know, Christian church group stuff, and, uh, and, and everyone's together in church and all that kind of stuff. And then finally came the day we'd been talking online on a thing called MySpace that shows our age. And, and so we're talking on MySpace, and finally I'm like, hey, why, why don't we, we, you go out? So, so we met at this Christian, again, event gathering. We had a brunch afterwards with my sister. This is the first time my sister had met Kane, and she kind of grilled her with all the questions. Afterwards, I'm like, what do you think? And she's like, yeah, she's good, go for it. I'm like, oh, thanks, Ate. And, uh, <laughs> and so, so Kane, I, I took her, I'm like, well, this is our first kind of date, I guess. It's our first time alone, where am I gonna take her? So I took her to a golf driving range. I don't know, you just gotta think outside the box, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm out there, I'm hitting the balls, you know, 200 meters down the thing. She's like, James, I don't, can you help me with my form? <laughs> I'm like, girl, heck no, I'm a young Christian man that loves Jesus. You better put a ring on it before I start helping you with your form. <laughs> so I shut down that temptation quickly, and then we went, and we went for a, a walk together. For four hours, we went together. Well, we didn't walk for four hours. Come on now, if you know me, you know I'm not walking longer than four minutes, right? <laughs> we were together for four hours. We walked for about four minutes, and then for three hours and 56 minutes, we sat on, by, beside a bay. Pelicans are flying by. It was gorgeous, right? And we talked, and we talked. And as I got her away from the crowd and I became one-on-one -on -one with her, I began to be able to see her heart. I asked her about her life, asked her about her dreams, what she wants to do in life, what she hates, what she loves, how many babies she wants. I just asked her all the... <laughs> Come on now, some of y'all take two time to get to the real important stuff, right? You're like, we're going to date for a year and then talk about if we want children. No! Are you kidding me? If she didn't want two girls and a boy, I was out of there straight away. <laughs> Right, and so, and so I got to know her and there was this personal connection as we were alone together out in public for accountability for all you young men and we were together talking and I got to know who she was and she got to know my hopes, my dreams, what the calling I felt like God had put on my life. There's something special when we get alone with someone and begin to know them. There's something special when you get alone with your Father in heaven. Jesus says, you got to understand, what I'm about to tell, I'm, I'm going to keep sharing this, but you've got to understand, Jesus is very smart. He's the smartest person that ever lived. Now, unfair advantage, he's also God. <laughs> he created intelligence. And so he's got the leg up, but he's very smart. And so when he teaches us the Lord's Prayer, he's teaching us in the right order how to pray. So his first order is this. You've got to come before God. He's our Father, and it's personal. And if you come before God, he's going to come back at you. James chapter 4, verse 8, one of the famous verses in the Bible. Draw near to God, and what? He will draw near to you. Jesus sets it up the first thing. That when you come to prayer that you got to understand is that prayer is personal. It's between you and a living father. 
and he loves you. And some of us struggle with that because we had dysfunctional fathers, especially in this nation. It's the nation of absent fathers where you were left waiting for your daddy to pick you up and he never came. Or you heard about your dad with another woman or this or that, or your dad abused you or this and everything. And so we struggle with this concept of a father. Can I tell you that in heaven, we have a loving father. He is not dysfunctional. He will never leave you waiting. He will never leave you lonely. He loves you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He loves you. He's not dysfunctional. So don't let your earthly filter get in the way of a loving father who wants to connect with you. So Jesus sets it up. Ready? First thing is this. It's personal. Our father. The second thing Jesus says is that prayer honors God. He shows us that prayer honors God. Hallowed be your name. Or if you're old school, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed. So Jesus sets it up. Personal. Number one. Second, uh, you're going to honor God when you pray. Hallowed is one of those Christian words that we all know. We all know because we all know this prayer, right? Come on, it's the Philippines. We all know this prayer. And, but a lot of us don't realize what hallowed means. We just think it's just a word in the Bible. Hallowed means to be holy, to be set apart. What Jesus is doing, and again, very clear in his intention within the scheme of this prayer where this comes. First, personal, it's my father. Second is this. We need to hallow the name of God. We need to make sure that we understand that he is set apart and that he is holy. That is not because God is insecure and we need to remind him. God's not insecure going, oh, do they remember I'm holy? I hope they remember when they pray. No. Jesus isn't telling us so that we can remind God. Jesus is telling us to pray it so that we can remind ourselves every time we pray, we are praying to a holy God. We are praying to a God, and what happens is that when we say, hallowed be your name, your name is holy, we are putting God in his rightful position, and we are placing ourselves in our rightful position. It's the tension that we have between this loving Father, and yet this holy God. And our prayer life should always reflect the magnitude of how great God is. God's not just your buddy that you're praying to. He's not just your best friend that you're talking to. When I grew up, we had this song, Jesus, you are my best friend. And we all used to sing, and I love it, and Jesus is your best friend. He is closer than a brother. Right? Jesus is our, God is our best friend. But when I approach God in prayer, I want to access God, not just my best friend. I want to access the creator, not just someone that's going to listen to me. That's why Jesus makes it clear. You're not just talking to anybody. You're talking to the Holy One who is set apart. We see this, this idea of honor in the Bible demonstrated so clearly in two totally radically different stories. Firstly, Jesus is sending out the 12 disciples. In Matthew uh, chapter 10, he's sending them out, and they're about to go out on their first ministry trip two by two, and he's explaining what they need to do. And at the end of it, he says this in verse 41. He says, whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. What that means is this. Whatever you honor, you will receive back from. 
So you honor a prophet, you're going to receive a prophet's reward. A righteous man, you're going to receive a righteous man's reward. And so when he's saying, hallowed be your name, as we honor God for who he is, we're going to get the reward back of what that means. Now, here's the total opposite end of the spectrum. In Mark chapter 6, we find one of the, I believe, one of the saddest stories in the whole Bible because it's as relevant today in today's church as it was 2,000 years ago. Jesus turns up at his hometown, Nazareth. He begins to preach. The people, the Bible says, are amazed, and then all of a sudden, they realize who he is. And in verse 3, it says, they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told him, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own families. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hand on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of unbelief. What a horrible story where people were inspired by what he was saying then all of a sudden became familiar with who he is, realized that he was just the son of Mary and there were his brothers and there were his sisters. And what happened? As they dishonored him, they lost out of the reward that was on Jesus' life. Now, Jesus is still God. So he's going to go around and do miracles, but it says he couldn't do many miracles, and he was amazed at their lack of faith. When you honor God for who he is, you'll receive the reward of that honor. But when you dishonor God, don't put him in his rightful place or where you put other things above him, you'll lose the reward. Jesus was honored by people, but he was also dishonored by people. The ones that honored him, they got the reward. The ones that dishonored him, they missed out. I think of Jairus, who came begging Jesus, got on his feet, a Jewish synagogue leader, the worst thing could not preach this before, begging him to come and heal his daughter. He honored Jesus, and what happened? Jesus came and raised his daughter from the dead. He honored Jesus, and he got the reward. So what's Jesus saying, right? First thing in prayer is this. The foundation is it's personal. This is between you and God. Second thing is, you gotta understand who God is. He ain't just your buddy. He's not just your fun-loving Tito that comes down. Uh, he is holy. He is set apart, right? And then what he does is he takes us to the third part of the prayer, and this is what he shows us, that prayer aligns us with the kingdom of God. This is real important. You, you gotta get a, a revelation of this because if you do, this will change how you pray. Um, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. Let thy kingdom come, old school, come on. The kingdom of heaven, what is that? A lot of people have a misconception in the Bible. We hear it said multiple ways, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Some people have a misconception that they think that's heaven once we die and we get to heaven and it's gold streets and it's little babies that are you know, flying around with little harps playing hallelujah, right? With little like full men faces. Um, that ain't heaven. That's hell in my books. Little babies flying around. I, I don't want to go there. And uh, that's, that's not what the kingdom of heaven is actually talking about. Uh, Jesus sent out his 12 disciples again. And in that same chapter, and this is what he said in verse 7, he said, proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
The kingdom of heaven is here. It's Jesus Christ ruling on this earth. And when you begin a relationship with Jesus, you actually encounter the kingdom of heaven and you now live under the dominion and the rule of the kingdom of heaven. That's what a kingdom means, a king's dominion. That's where it comes from. And when you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, we now no longer rule our own lives. We are now under his rulership. We're under the dominion of Jesus. As a church, we are now subject to Jesus. And because we are subject and under Jesus, we get all the blessing and the favor that flows because we're under Jesus. He is the king. And we are his servants and his children all in one. And Jesus is so intentional. I'm going to say it again. He's intentional. He sets it first. It's personal. Second, God is holy. Honor God. And then third, he shows us how we can align our life with God so that our prayer life becomes most effective. A good prayer life will align you with the kingdom of God. And alignment is so important. If you are unaligned with the kingdom of God, your prayer life will be like trying to cut a big juicy steak with a plastic knife. You can't do it. But the moment you get aligned, your prayer life, when you get aligned with the kingdom of God, things will begin to change. Kate and I went to a, a steak restaurant a couple years ago. Someone gave us a voucher, really expensive voucher. So I'm like, sweet, we're going we gonna to live it up. Uh, but we got to the steakhouse and it was like all we could afford were two steaks and they were like the cheaper ones, one of those steakhouse, right? So we're there and the guy comes out and he presents, he goes, uh, mom, sir, uh, <laughs> I said this before, when Kate first moved to the Philippines, she thought like her name, people were calling her mom, sir, because <laughs> she'd walk into a restaurant by herself, they'd be like, hello, mom, sir. <laughs> anyway, so this guy comes out. Mom, sir, uh, you know, uh, please uh, pick from your steak knives. And I'm like, what? Pick my steak knife? This place is unbelievable. He had like 10 different types of steak knives. Oh, I'm pulling them out like with the hand. You know when you're trying to act like you, you expect this to happen and you know what's happening, but you got no idea. I'm like, I'm like, mm, yeah, the weightiness. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good. And then I flick it around, go Steven Seagal for a second. The, the guy, I'm like, jok lang, jok lang. Mm, yeah, weighty, yeah. So, the moment I got that steak, man, when, when that knife went through, it was like going through butter. Why? Because that was the effectiveness and the intended pur purpose of that knife. It was made to do that. And our prayer sometimes, if we are not aligned with God, it's like we're trying to cut through steak with a little plastic knife. But when we align ourselves with God, when we come into alignment with him, it's like our prayers become that steak knife that just cut through that steak. Alignment is key. When I was 18 years old, I bought my first car. I was born in 1984 and I bought a 1983 Mitsubishi Sigma. I think it might've been in the Philippines. It might've been a Colt in the Philippines. I'm not sure. It was the worst car ever. It was horrible. I used to anoint that thing with oil every single week, about one liter of oil every week. It was just, it, it was like a miracle, just never ending. The oil just kept going, right? And, uh, and this thing, I, I drove it around and all of a sudden, I, to drive straight, the wheel began to just sort of over time, over a few weeks, uh, instead of driving straight like this, when I would drive straight, the wheel would be like this, like it would be turned. And then when I would get up to about 80 kilometers on the road, the wheel would begin to shake 
like this, right? And this, is, this car is so old, it, it was no power steering, right? Walang power steering. Some of y'all don't even realize that there's something called power steering. Well, you realize it when you drove a car without power. I'm, you, come on, anyone remember no power steering? You had under, you're like under, over, under, over. It's like a workout when you're trying to do a three-point turn, right? And so I had this car and it was shake, but I didn't have money to fix it. I'm like, ah, it's fine. It'll be fine. And I was talking to a mechanic at my church and he goes, no, no, you got you to gotta fix that, James. What it is, is your wheel is out of alignment. You've hit something. And, and what's dangerous about it is you think it's okay, but you're going to wear the tread of your tire down in a place it's not supposed to be worn and it's going to blow up and you're going to end up off the road somewhere and you could crash. That scared me. I got it fixed straight away. It was like a brand new car. It was like power steering came in. It didn't shake anymore. When I drove straight, it was straight. Why? Because I got it aligned. When we get our prayer lives right with God, when we begin to learn how to pray properly, we come into alignment with him and his kingdom. And our prayer brings us back to alignment in God's kingdom. When we pray, prayer's not supposed to just be like a shopping list that we're bringing towards Santa. I always say this, God ain't some big fat white guy called Santa. Here's my, here's my, my list this year, God. He's not that at all. So many times, Christians, our prayer life is reduced to us pleading with God to change our story of our life to a more favorable one. Change this, change that. But do you know what true prayer does when you come into alignment with the kingdom? True prayer begs God to allow us to come into his story so that we can give his name glory in all the earth. Prayer is when we come to God saying, hey, I want to be in your story. That's aligning with his kingdom. And the placement of this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. I told you, Jesus is very smart. Matalino, right? He's very smart. So he places, firstly, our Father, personal. Second, he honors God, hallowed be your name. And third, he says, you gotta pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Why does he put it there? Because he realizes that before you begin to pray for everything else, you need to get yourself aligned with the kingdom of God so that everything else that follows in your prayer is already lined up with God. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now listen, people love that verse, but they love to cut out the two words, his will. If we ask anything, then he'll hear us. Woo, yes, no. It's according to his will. And this is why Jesus taught us how to pray this way. When we pray your kingdom come and your will be done in my life as it is in heaven, we are aligning our will to God because the very next thing we tell that Jesus tells us to pray for is our daily bread. When you're aligned, you'll begin to pray the right prayer about your daily needs. God provide for me today. If you're out of alignment, you start praying crazy prayers. Lord, I pray today, give me a Ferrari. Lord, I want a private jet in Jesus' name. Come on, you just need some food on your table today. 
When you get aligned with God, you'll begin to pray. So many of us are angry. Why? Why doesn't God answer my prayer? God never answers my prayer. Never answers. Well, firstly, he does answer your prayer. It's either a yes or a no, but he always answers your prayer. He just may not answer it the way you want. But secondly, if you want to hear more yeses from God, stop praying your own will and start praying his will. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. Okay, so that means then uh, uh, in my life in heaven and everything that I'm going through, Okay, forgive me of my debt. Uh, forgive me of my sin. When you're aligned, all of a sudden, God will begin to bring things up. You know how I told you that when I pray this prayer, I go off in tangents? This is where I go off in tangents. Because I'm good in the morning. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, you'll be on Give me the game, daily bread. All of a sudden, I begin to pray. Yeah, God, we, we got that need in our life. Then I get to forgive me of my debts. And when you're aligned, God will begin to put inside your spirit a conviction of the things that you've done that are out of alignment with him. God, oh, God, I'm sorry. Sorry for the way I talked to my wife last night. I'm, I'm sorry for what I did to my kids. I'm sorry my eyes wander. I, I'm, I'm sorry that I, I was jealous or, or I reacted angry in that situation. If you're out of alignment, you have no conviction for the sin in your life. And then it goes even one step further, which is even harder as we forgive those that are debtors against us. Can I tell you, it's gonna be very difficult to forgive people that have wronged you if you are not in alignment with God. Very difficult. I wake up to this day and I still forgive people. There's people that I know that I've forgiven. But sometimes whenever I get to this point, their face still pops up in my head. So I'm like, okay, God, I'm just gonna keep blessing them. Keep blessing them. Keep, I mean, it's hard. It's hard sometimes. A couple years ago, someone stole a lot of money from me, a lot of money. And I struggled to pray this prayer at that time. I was praying, God, Lord, and this person, Lord, just, oh, kill them, Lord. Just kill them. I wish I was joking, but it was a moment of flesh. I didn't, I didn't really mean that much. And, um, But the issue was with me. And God revealed something in me that even though I'd been wronged, I still had to bless. My prayers I cut. I don't want to see them. I don't want to see them, but bless them. God, just bless them. Bless them, bless them, bless them. Bless them, Lord. And also, God, now that I'm aligned with you, please don't lead me into temptation. Help me. Protect me from temptation. When you're aligned with God, all of a sudden, all that temptation that maybe we want some. When you're out of alignment, you don't even realize it's temptation. You're just like, yeah, it's a party. That's what it is. But when you're aligned with God, you'll see the temptation. You'll see something. No, I shouldn't. Yep. No, God, lead me. Protect me from that. Jesus is so smart. Because here's the cool thing. The shopping list of prayer needs that you have, they're actually okay. It's good to have a list of needs. This week as we pray, Corporately as a church, we have a list of needs that we are going to be corporately praying for every day. It's going to be on social media every day. If, if you're fasting social media this week, then you can um, check it. Uh, an email has been sent to everyone that's in our church that's on our database. Or you can just quickly look online. I think we've got the slide somewhere uh, of, of what's online, the, the, um, the website that you can go to. It'll show our lists of everything we have. I'm also hoping and praying that every single one of you has specific prayer needs that you have in your life. 
I'm hoping that you're praying for your unsaved friends or family. I am hoping that you're praying for God to bless you more financially in this year. I'm hoping that you're praying that God would protect you from COVID and protect your health this year. I hope that you're praying for all those things. But Jesus is so smart because he doesn't allow us to pray for until we have aligned ourselves with God and his kingdom. Instead of it being about what I want, maybe we need to God, come to God and say, God, what do you want me to want? What do you want me to want? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's why Jesus is crying in the garden of Gethsemane the night before he's arrested, knowing that he's about to go through human torture, beaten, bruised, abused, thorns put in his head, put up on a cross. And in the moment of weakness where he cries out to his dad and says, take this cup from me, he goes on to say, yet not my will, but yours be done. When we align ourselves with God, our prayer life will become as effective as that brand new aligned car, as that steak knife cutting through that steak. We've got to get ourselves aligned, but we can only get ourselves aligned if we can honor God for who He truly is. And we can only honor God if we realize we have a personal relationship with a Father, not one of many gods, but the one true living God. We align, and we, when we align, prayer will flow. The, the nation of the Philippines, if you're watching online, you're outside of the Philippines, I'm so glad you're watching, but I just wanna to speak to our country for a moment. This nation does not need another church that prays a religious prayer with no power. We do not need more religious people in this country that can memorize that, that, pray, that prayer but not mean it from their heart. That will say thy kingdom come and thy will be done but not live like his kingdom has come and his will would be done. It's one thing to say the words, it's another thing to pray the words. And the Philippines needs Christ followers to stand up and to actually pray to a heavenly father. A father that wants to pour out miracles. A father that wants to pour out provision. A father that answers prayer. We don't pray to dead people. The only dead person was the one that didn't stay dead. He rose again. He's the only one we pray to. We don't pray to anyone's mother. We don't pray holding a necklace. We don't pray. Why? Because none of that is found in the Bible. Do you know what's found in the Bible? Do you know what's found in the Bible? There's nothing about praying to someone's mother. There's nothing about holding certain beads. None of that. Do you know what's found in the Bible? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's what's in the Word of God. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is right now in heaven. 
So give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive those who are debtors against us and lead us not into temptation but protect us. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's what's in the word of God. That's how we should pray. That's how we, that's how we should pray and that's how this country needs us to pray. This week as we fast, we're standing now. Sunday night, we're standing on the edge. The fast begins tomorrow. Some of y'all didn't even realize, but now things are shifted. The fast's about to start. You're standing on the edge. I want to encourage you. He's your father. He's your dad. When I pray our father, sometimes I say, our father. I say, daddy. <laughs> so dorky. But I still call my dad daddy now. I'm a 36-year-old grown man. I still say, hey, daddy. <laughs> Why? Because it's personal. But as personal as it is and as much as he's my loving father, oh, wow, hallowed be your name because you are holy. And I have a reverent fear of who you are, your holiness, your greatness. I magnify the Lord. Then I'm going to get my life aligned with your kingdom so that then as I pray everything that I need to pray, both for myself, for others around me, and for the world at large, I'm gonna be aligned with your kingdom as I pray these things according to your will. I think that we all need an alignment tonight. I think that every single day, if we're gonna pray a prayer like this, you know what Jesus is telling me? That every day we need an alignment, every day. Because we ain't perfect. Every day you do something that's probably not the best thing you could have done that day. And so every day we need an alignment. If you're here and you're like, yeah, that's me. I need an alignment. I need to pray. Can you just stand up and lift your hands to heaven? I'm standing too. I'm the first person. If I could, I'd stand because today I need alignment. Tomorrow, I'm going to need an alignment as well. Wednesday, I'm going to need an alignment. I want to realign with this kingdom. Oh, Jesus, you see every hand raised? Every hand raised represents something right now that people are being convicted of. A wrong thinking, a wrong attitude, anger that was misplaced, jealousy maybe, bitterness, unforgiveness. God, whatever it is right now, as people with their arms raised, Lord, you see them going on. Lord, I pray right now, would you come? God, with your grace and with your mercy, would you just align us, realign us back into your kingdom? The things, the wrong thinking, God, Lord, let that go right now in Jesus' name and let the right thinking begin to come in right now. God, align us with your heart that we would want what you would want us to want, God. Align us, God, with your presence. Lord, we're desperate and we're hungry for your presence. We honor you, Abba Father. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Your name is holy. It is set apart. There is no other name but the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Align us, align us, align us, align us. Your kingdom come. Come on, right now. I want you to physically say with your mouth, audibly, begin to say, 
your kingdom come your will be done in my life as it is in heaven come on begin to declare it over yourself your kingdom come come on begin to respond right now it's between you and God your kingdom come your will be done in my life as it is in heaven your kingdom come your will be done in my life as it is in heaven oh your kingdom come your will be done in my life as it is in heaven I don't just want to go to church I don't just want to be in a connect group but I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done in my life as it is in heaven oh let your kingdom come let your will be done in this church in my family in my businesses in my school in my relationships in my marriage in my children let your kingdom come let your will be done as it is in heaven. come on it's your breath sing it out it's your breath as we align ourselves with heaven we allow his breath to come and we begin to sing the praises of the king so we pour out our praise we pour out our praise it's your
when we talk about when we talk about a realignment um, a realignment means that we were once aligned when we talk about a realignment in the kingdom uh, we're talking about coming back to you know our relationship with Jesus and maybe there's some people here in the room or maybe you're watching online and you've never ever been aligned with Jesus you've never ever come to that place where you've come before him asked him to forgive you of your sins admitted that there's a separation between you and God the Bible says clearly that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord and that doesn't just mean I say Lord Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When we say that word, Lord, what we're signifying is that Jesus is Lord. He is the one true God. He is the only Son of God. That's what we're saying. And maybe you've never come to that point. Or maybe, maybe you were aligned many years ago and you went off alignment and you got so far off alignment, you, you're just not even on, you're not even on the road anymore. You're somewhere else. Well, I want to give you a chance tonight to respond whenever you're watching this online. So come on, can we just bow our heads, close our eyes for one minute? We're going to worship in just a second. I believe God still has some things you want to do. But if you're here and you've never, ever made this decision before to follow Jesus, or maybe a long time ago you did and you walked away, I'm not asking you if you had a bad week. I'm not asking you if you raised your hand last week and you did something naughty this week. It's not about that. You know you don't have an active relationship with Jesus. If that's you, on the count of three, as I pray, and as I say to three, I want you to lift your hands all over this room. And if you're watching, I want you to do the same thing at home. One, two, three. Right now, lift your hands. Awesome. Here in the front. Four or five on the side. Up in the back corner. That's awesome. Again, in the other side. Up in the back, I see hands as well. Amen. I'm sure there's people online as well that are watching. If you want to respond to Christ tonight, if you lifted your hand, can you put your hand on your heart right now? We're all going to pray a prayer. And it's a prayer that reflects what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 10 when he says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So come on, why don't we all say this prayer together. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, come to you right now and I admit my sin. Please forgive me of everything I've done that separated me from you. I confess that you died on the cross, but you defeated the grave and rose victorious. So right now I ask, please come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, can you give God praise for every person that just prayed that prayer? If you prayed that prayer, the journey of a Christ follower is not meant to be done alone. It's meant to be done in family. So there's going to be details on the screen. We've got a number up there. You can call it after the service as well to be there or see us at the back. But we're really glad you made that decision. We really want to help you in that decision. But I believe, just, just would you give me just a couple more moments? We finished early tonight, so I just want a couple more moments of your time. Because I believe that God just wants to continue to do something in this place. You know, things always happen, significant things always happen when a community will get together and seek the Lord and pray. It's all throughout the Bible. Significant things have happened 
over centuries where communities of people have come together and have sought after the Lord and have kept knocking until he showed up. A week of prayer and fast, and I want to tell you, I'm expecting significant things to happen in your life and in our church. I'm, I'm expecting and believing for breakthrough. A around the Philippines, multiple churches around the Philippines have already been praying and fasting in the last few weeks. I'm expecting for a hunger to rise up in our nation for something real as our church joins with the wider body of Christ as we pray and as we fast and as we seek God. So come on, one last time. Can you lift your hands all over this room? I love this song that we sang before. And as we sing it, maybe you don't know the words all yet, but as you read it off the screen and as you sing it, I want you to grab a hold of these words and sing them from the depths of your heart tonight. Come on, declare it, every burden.
Thank you so much for listening in. At Favorite Church, we're a family, and we believe that the Christian journey should not be done alone. If something really spoke to you from the message, we would love to connect with you to talk it over. Or if you prayed the salvation prayer, we'd also love to be able to share more about the decision that you've just made. Please visit us at favor.church/next to learn more. If you want to share this podcast with a friend, simply tap on the share button and send it through. We love you. We're praying for you. Till next time.